0: today's scripture is from acts 16 verses 9 through 18. a vision of a man from macedonia came to paul during the night he stood urging paul come over to macedonia and help us immediately after he saw the vision we prepared to leave for the province of macedonia concluding that god had called us to proclaim the good news to them we sailed for troas straight from Samothrace and came to Neapolis the following day. From there, we went to Philippi, a city of Macedonia's first district and a Roman colony. We stayed in that city several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the riverbank where we thought there might be a place for prayer. We sat down and began to talk with the women who had gathered. One of those women was Lydia, a Gentile God worshiper from the city of Thyatira a dealer in purple cloth. As she listened, the Lord enabled her to embrace Paul's message. Once she and her household were baptized, she urged, now that you have decided that I'm a believer in the Lord, come and stay in my house. And she persuaded us. One day, when we were on the way to the place of prayer, we met a slave woman. She had a spirit that enabled her to predict the future. She made a lot of money for her owners through their fortune-telling. She began following Paul and us, shouting, These people are servants of the Most High God. They are proclaiming a way of salvation to you. She did this for many days. This annoyed Paul so much that he finally turned and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave her. It left her at that very moment.
1: What an entrance, you know. (laughs) Yes, give me some of that. Oh, it's not going to move, so the tea will go there. Will you pray with me? God, I'm thankful for this room of people, just whatever brings them here today. Thankful for who they are, thankful for what they do. Thankful for who they know. And I pray today that as we gather together, that your spirit would unite us in love. You would ground us in goodness. And that you would open our hearts and our eyes and our minds to attune to you, to attune to your presence here with us, and to attune to each other. So we pray that as we look at this passage from Acts, that we would be awakened, awakened to see things in a new way. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, Johnny started us out um, in the next couple of weeks, a series we're going to be doing called "The Missio Day." And the Missio Day is Latin for um, the mission of God. And, as he said, it's also the name of our church. A little sneaky sneak there. So then, for the next few weeks, we are going to be talking about our identity and what our purpose is as a community together, as Missio Day. But, as he said, the Missio Dei also means the mission of God. And so, thinking about that as a community with the name, mission of God, we are in that name declaring that we trust that God is doing something. That God is making things new. It says in in the biblical text that Christ is making all things new. And so with that renewing work that God is doing, we see ourselves as, and the purpose that we have is joining God in the renewal of all things. That's part of our identity, that's part of what we want to be about, it's our purpose, and as Johnny said, for lack of a better word, could be our vision statement. That we as a community join God in the renewing of all things. And throughout the biblical text, we see um, the foretaste of God's renewing movement. With Adam and Eve, in the moment where they turn away, God moves towards and does something new. In the family of Abraham, God moves towards that family and begins to do something new. In the people of the Old Testament, God moves and does things that are new. And then in the person of Jesus, in his ministry, we get a glimpse as he heals and teaches and challenges people and structures. And then in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit comes and we get another image of people connected to God in God's presence. And in being connected to God in God's presence, what flows through God's presence is life, new life, or renewal. And so then our job, as Johnny said last week, as he framed up this whole series, It's Worth a Listen if You Didn't Come or um, Weren't Able To, as he framed it all up and said that then our job is to discern and pay attention and partner with God's renewing work. That's what we're about here. That's what we want to be about. And sometimes you hear something like that, like this lofty grand idea of something, and you're like, yes, I'm in for it, I'm up for it, I'm about it. And then other times you hear something like that, and you're like, I feel like that's hard to believe that that is happening. That God is renewing things. That God is making things new. Because maybe your lived experience doesn't quite resonate with that statement or that exposed reality. Maybe your lived experience is that life is a little bit boring or mundane. As someone yawns, is perfect. Yeah. Or maybe that it's actually pretty hard to see God anywhere. The story of the Bible is a story of how God moves there too. In the places of celebration but also and excitement, but also into the places of uncertainty, even when we're annoyed, or discomfort and dislocation, moves into those places and makes things new. That's the common story in the biblical narrative. And often, when God moves there, it's a little bit uncomfy. Or it's unexpected. And sometimes it's pretty interrupting. Last week, um, the quote that Johnny used, in particular from the book of Acts, as God's presence comes to people, he comes to people and a lot of those people don't have a lot in common. And we can also feel that. Sometimes we say that we have this commonality because we believe in Jesus or we believe in God, and then we're encountering people and we're like, oh, I don't, I am not feeling this. We don't have very much in common at all. But a gentleman by the the name of Willie Jellings talks about this moment in the book of Acts where Jesus comes and the Spirit comes to these people who are so different from each other, and says this, what will you do, talking about Jew and Gentiles, if I join you at the body of Jesus and fall in love with your God and you? This is the most terrifying aspect of interruption, love. God brings together people who don't always look like they fit together, but who have been interrupted by love. And in being interrupted by love, learn to see each other through the lenses of love and join in with what God is doing. And together, collectively, as we experience and participate, we do it together in this renewing work of love. That's the Missio Dei. That's what God is doing. Interrupting with his presence, fueled by love, making things new. And that's what we do. We join in that work of renewal. So what's the big question on all of your minds? Maybe it's not the big question on all of your minds, but the question that comes to my mind is, how? How do you do that? Sounds sounds like a good idea, maybe. How? How do we do that? A people renewed by God's spirit and presence like able to live this out in our neighborhoods in our families in our workplaces how do we do it well we put belief to practice and practice to belief and when we practice something we practice it something in order to strengthen in order to be able to stay close To believe, to remember something. And when we talk about practices as remembering, we're not just talking about knowledge that comes from the head, but that deep knowing. That knowing that is here, but also in your gut, and in your heart, and in your body. It's this deep knowledge that is held in the body. The knowing. And so we practice in order to know, to stay near. And so practice is the how of belief. And to practice something makes it tangible, makes it embodied. And the goal is not to perfect something in a practice. You know, you like practice the piano. Maybe some of you learned piano when you were a kid and you're like, oh my word, I've done this thing 1,700 times and I'm still not getting it. Right? Or if you're a sports person, you do the move over and over and over again so your body remembers it. The practice in this sense related to faith isn't about perfecting something. It's about the aim, the thing that you're aiming towards. And the thing that drives us to do it over and over and over again is the aim. And so if the aim is renewal, fueled by love, the disruption of love that we have, God's love and our love for each other, the practices are meant to fuel that. And it might actually be pretty imperfect. But the Practices embody something so that the aim becomes real and tangible and alive. And we have five practices at Missio that we believe will help us to embody this vision. They're on our website if you haven't read it. They're also behind you on this handy dandy slide that I feel very proud of myself for making. So we asked ourselves as a community a few years ago what helps us stay awake to renewal, to God and to each other. We gather together. It's what we're doing this morning. We welcome. We welcome one another and we welcome strangers. We welcome the outsider. We create goodness in the world because we're made in the image of God who's a creator. We invite. And by invite connected to generosity, we give to the people around us. An inviting community is made up of people who come together and share what they have, pointing each other to Jesus. And we explore together. We're curious. Curious about God, curious about each other, curious about ourselves. And the next few weeks we're gonna talk about these practices because they are what help us to embody, to make alive this vision that we have, this identity and this purpose that we reach for. Gonna talk about what they are and why we, why we have them and how they root us in the identity. And today we're gonna to talk about what it means to explore together. I feel like u you know, Utahans know how to explore. There's so many places to explore here. It's fantastic. I didn't know. I came here and I had no idea how amazing it was going to be. Then when I got exploring, I was like, this place is amazing. And you could do it on and on and on and on. And so today we're going to talk about what it means to explore together, being curious about God, being curious about each other. And to explore is to practice curiously learning paying attention and expecting to be surprised by what God is doing in us and around us. So to explore is to practice curiously learning and paying attention and expecting to be surprised by what God is doing in us and around us. That's what it means to explore. And there's some characteristics to the way we want to practice exploring here we want to listen listen to the spirit of God God is already at work and so the practice of exploring is about listening and having eyes and ears to see those places the practice of exploring is about listening to each other God speaks and is present to us through our presence with one another and so we practice listening to each other and exploring engages our neighbors and our neighborhoods and so we seek to understand the rhythms and questions and struggles and hopes of those around us including like 150 ballet kids that's what it means to explore and exploring also seeks to, to look at the larger forces at work in the world spiritual and cultural and social Why? So that we can have eyes open to name our own complicity in systems and desires that are not rooted in love. And this practice of exploration and the reason that we came up with this is because it is all over the book of Acts. That book is ripe with the practice of exploration. And the passage we've used multiple times to orient ourselves towards this practice is Acts chapter 16. And in Acts chapter 16, God's presence is actively guiding and disrupting Paul's plans. Kind of annoying for you, Paul. A little bit frustrating. Not sure he was really into it. But his plans are being disruptive and he stays curious. He listens and he pays attention and explores him and the people with him. And because they do, God leads them into places of renewal that they could have passed by. Because the place that God's Spirit leads them are unexpected, uncharacteristic, and uncomfortable. So let's look back at this passage that Austin read for us this morning. Chapter 16 and verse 9. A vision of a man from Macedonia came to Paul during the night. He stood urging Paul, come over to Macedonia and help us. Immediately after he saw the vision, we prepared to leave for the province of Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. We sailed to Troas, straight from Samothrace, and came to Neapolis the following day. From there we went to Philippi, a city of Macedonia's first district and a Roman colony. We stayed in the city several days. On the Sabbath, we went out the city to the gate by the riverbank, where we thought there might be a place of prayer. We sat down and began to talk with the women who had gathered. One of these women was Lydia, a Gentile god worshiper from the city of Thyatira, a dealer in purple cloth. As she listened, the Lord enabled her to embrace Paul's message. Once she and her household were baptized, she urged Now that you have decided that I am a believer in the Lord, come and stay in my house. And she persuaded us. There they are exploring. Paul has a vision of a man in Macedonia who says, hey, 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 come help. Paul's like, okay, let's go there. They decide as a team, let's go to Macedonia, which is where they travel. Probably on boats, probably walking. They're doing a lot of exploration. When they get there, they're in the city of Philippi. They're just probably, again, walking around, taking a look-see. You know, when you go to a new city, you explore it. Kind of get a sense of what the vibes are. Where can you eat? Who do you know? This is what's happening. And I want you to imagine this not like as this foreign thing, but this is what we do when we explore new places like Paris or Greece or Salt Lake. You're walking around and you're looking and you're paying attention. They're there for several days, and then on the Sabbath, which is traditionally the day of prayer, they've heard by walking around that there's a collection of people that outside the city gates by the riverbank pray together. And so they're like, oh, that seems like a good place for us to go. Let's go down to the riverbank and pray. And when they get there, they encounter a group of women who are praying. And again, as Paul, who is a Jewish man in a male-dominated culture, he's stepping outside of his comfort zone. As he explores, he encounters a group of women and he attunes and listens. And in so doing, finds out that this woman is a worshipper of God. And there's some tells for us about who Lydia is in the text. She is likely an independent business owner. She's a dealer in purple cloth. Ex- purple is expensive in Roman culture. And she has a, And women in Macedonia have a prominent place. And so she's likely in the marketplace negotiating with clients and maybe even has employees. She's a person of power and of privilege. And the text tells us that she is a worshiper of God. And she's believing and behaving as such because she is on the Sabbath down at the river praying. And so maybe all of this is a surprise to Paul and the people that are with him. She embraces what Paul is saying and that is acknowledged through the act of baptism. She says yes. She already has this sense of a belief in God and then baptized. And it's not just her, but her household. It says her household is baptized with her. So this tells us that she is the head of her household. And so as the head of her household, she would have had duty to care for those in her house. And as the head of her household, she provides security and identity, which for us is pretty uncommon because we live in a pretty individualistic culture. But for their culture, an identity is communal. And so as the head of the household is entreated and and believes this message of Paul, the whole household communally take on this identity together. And then she persuades Paul one of the most religiously educated people, she persuades Paul to go back to her house and to stay with them. So she must have a pretty sizable house. And so she offers to accommodate Paul and his team as well as the church, which starts to gather there in her home. They come under her support. Let's remember what Paul sees. Paul sees a man who needs help. Which is why he went to Macedonia. But in his exploration, he is helped by a woman who is worshipping God by the river. Surprising. Unexpected. Her home and her resources become the tangible location of the movement of God's presence. And it's likely unexpected that it's her house and her influence and her resources again, because Paul probably wasn't expecting that, but Paul is paying attention. Here it is. He's listening and he's looking for God, he's listening to this woman. He's also sharing with her and it's mutual, but there's clearly humility and attentiveness in Paul and the people that are with him. They explore together and they're awake and aware and listening and partnering in unexpected and surprising places. Their belief is practiced in this exploration and it becomes embodied down by the river. Listening paying attention, being curious. It's the invitation as we read this to us. In our workplaces and in our neighborhoods and with the people next to us, we would stay awake and be curious that we would listen. And then there's another woman, a slave woman who is nameless. So again, Paul, what's he doing? On his way to prayer. One day we were going to the place of prayer. On the way, we were met by a female slave. Complete contrast from Lydia, right? She had a spirit that helped her tell people what was going to happen. She earned a lot of money for her owners by doing this. Well known. She's earning a lot of money. She's able to see things and say things that are real. She followed Paul and the rest of us around, and she shouted, These men serve the Most High God. They are telling you how to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became upset. Turning around, he spoke to the spirit that was in her. In the name of Jesus Christ, he said, I command you to come out of it. And at that very moment, the spirit left this woman. So again, they're going to another place of prayer, and they encounter another woman, and this time she's nameless. And she's a slave and she has a spirit some say it's the spirit of Python which is from the Greek mythologies which gives her this power I'm not gonna wrestle too much today with what this spirit is though that is important to wrestle with but the focus for today is that I want us to notice that this spirit is putting in her and on her a social and condition of weight. It's this weight. And she's being humanly exploited because of it. The owners are using what she has for their own good. They're exploiting her. And so they're on their way to prayer. And again, Paul and this group are encountering another woman. She's following them And let's just be clear that what she is saying is true. These people serve the Most High God and they want people to be free because that's what salvation is, freedom. So she's like shouting about these people serving God and that these people want people to experience freedom or salvation. Totally true, right? Wouldn't we all say that's true of what Paul and his crew were up to? getting some nods, yep, yep, pretty sure she's on point. And so I think Paul and the people with him could have seen this as an affirmation. They, These people, this woman is saying all of this, and it actually could have precipitated into some decent conversations. She is making people aware of a reality that they believe in. And she's known in that community as having this kind of insight. Paul and the group that he's with could have exploited her too. She's being used. And there's a deep connection between her God talk and her identity as a slave. And her God talk connects her to her oppression. And sometimes our God talk connects us to that which is oppressive. This woman is being exploited by both spiritual power and material power, and both are using her. It's awareness to the cultural realities, the spiritual realities that are going on. And it annoys Paul. And he sees beyond this God talk. We need to see beyond this kind of God talk. Paul sees beyond this God talk and he says, stop, enough. Willie Jennings puts it this way, the point was not to silence her voice, but to release it from its networked captivity. Ministry in the name of Jesus Christ releases people to speak, especially poor women, by challenging the voices of their own oppression that constantly wish to speak through them. Spiritual exploitation and oppression, material exploitation and inequity, any of that is not in the heart of God. That's not within the presence of God. The affirmation of that is not within the presence of God. And love's word to that is stop. Love's word to that kind of oppression, that kind of use of anyone, love's word to that is stop. was attentive, aware. And the word to that was "Stop. The thing I like about this moment, too, is that it's pretty human. I think sometimes when we talk about, "Yeah, we're going to join God in the renewal of all things," we're like, "It's going to be great. And then you look at this passage and you're like, oh yeah, Paul gets a picture of a man that he thinks he's going to help and instead he encounters a woman who helps him. A little confusing. Very human. And then out of annoyance, really good like human feeling, right? How many of you were annoyed this morning already? You don't have to show your hands, about I might be all of you. And we just expect, oh yeah, there's nothing to be curious about there really human feeling and from that really human feeling came a liberating word right this thing that we do the renewal driven and motivated by love happens in the context of our human life walking and journeying and eating and praying when nothing is going according to plan or out of annoyance that's where the work of renewal happens So you don't have to do it perfectly. You don't have to actually know all the time what's going on. You just have to be paying attention, being curious, listening. A friend of mine I've known for a number of years, and I know this person quite well now. And um, this person is a very spacious person. Like, the instinct of this person is to give people the benefit of the doubt. And so, after a number of years being in relationship to this person, I've come to learn that when this person gets annoyed, it's a tell. And it's usually a moment where it's important for, like, I'm like, oh, there's something going on here that it would be good for me to know about. It's usually something worth paying attention to. Like even annoyance can be an invitation to exploration. And so the question that we're left with is, are we willing to explore in all the places within ourselves, within others, and with the wider world around us. Because this practice keeps us awake, awake to the possibilities and surprises and disruptions of the renewal of love. God's love, our love for one another. And it's not always comfy. Things don't always go according to plan But we ask ourselves what helps us to stay awake to God's presence as he's making things new. What puts practice to belief? Exploring. Exploring puts practice to belief. Being attentive and listening and open-hearted helps us. It helps us to join God in the renewal of all things. It helps us to believe that we are, are renewed by God's spirit. And it helps us to join within our families and in our lives and in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces. It's a helpful practice to connect us to the disrupting presence of God. And like I said, it might not look perfect, but as we explore and listen and are attentive and open-hearted, We're strengthened. To embody what it is that we say that we want to be about in this community. To be a people that renewed by God's spirit, bring renewal into our everyday lives. Motivated and driven and drawn by love. And so as we end today, I just have a couple of questions for you. Where would you like to be curious this week? Just a simple question. Where would you like to be curious? Where would you like to listen? And it can be in something that's in you. Maybe there's a dissonance or a distrust or a sense of unbelief or distance or annoyance. It's okay. Listen. Maybe there's a person at work that you haven't really ever asked any questions to. Maybe it's somebody in your family. Who or what can you be curious about this week? And I can't say that something like Paul's Haps will happen in your life. I can't. It might be more boring and mundane or you might get in a conflict with that person at work. I don't know. But what I do believe is that God does want us to join in this renewing work and that God is doing it and that God invites us into this work. And it's part of what makes us us. And so, I don't know what the outcome's going to be. I don't even know that you'll know what the outcome is going to be. But again, it's a practice. It's something that we do over and over and over again because it helps us reach towards an embodied reality. And that embodied reality is that God's presence is at work making things new. And as a people, we believe that. And so, we practice towards it. Let's pray. Jesus, I do pray that we'd practice listening. Not because we have to. Not because it's like another religious thing that is a kind of duty or obligation, but because of that deep knowing. That deep knowing that you're at work and that the work that you do is often surprising and. Surprising in good kinds of ways. And so as someone who is up here communicating, I don't have any control over what will happen or won't happen. But I do pray that we would be a people of practice. That we would in practice embodying the thing that we say we believe. And that because of that, we would be strengthened by it. We would be brought near to renewal. Motivated by love. And so this week, Jesus, would you bring us near to you, and in bringing us near to you, bring us near to renewal and to good things. And may we be explorers. In Jesus' name, amen.